Bibles this morning, I want you to go with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 28 and the 19th verse, Proverbs 28 verse 19. If you were at our marriage conference, uh, you already have heard what uh, I have to say, I guess in part, uh, but I wanted to come back this morning and and give these thoughts to the church. I know one thing about preaching, uh, it's never quite the same. You can preach the same uh, thought or the same text, but the Lord knows how to preach it to individual hearts. And so I trust Him for that this morning. Proverbs chapter number 28 and the 19th verse. Let's stand, uh, if you will, with me as we... As we read the word of God this morning, Proverbs 28 and verse number 19. Uh, if you were here last Sunday morning and last Sunday night, I preached on some knots that will keep your life uh, from unraveling, some knots that will keep your life uh, held together. Uh, and if you're wondering, I did not get to finish it Sunday morning. I came back Sunday night and came close to finishing it, did not finish it, so the last not is despise not the chastening of the Lord. Uh, and when God uh, gives you a whipping, when God chastises you. And don't, don't misunderstand this morning. God does not condemn His children. He chastises His children. Uh, God does not cast them out. He brings them in and He disciplines them. And isn't it good to have a father this morning that will, will love us and correct us. And uh, so there's you that last. You need the chastening of the Lord. And the instruction was don't despise it. Don't count it as nothing. Don't get angry about it. But rejoice that you have a father that is willing to, to help you make right what you've made wrong. And a lot of times we get upset and say, well, Lord, I, I don't know why this has happened. I know why it's happened, and you know why it's happened, because the Lord's wanting to get our attention. It may not always be that way. Sometimes it's just life. But you know when the hand of the Lord is, is chastising you. You know when you're getting an old-fashioned whipping. And uh, I know we live in 2024, and everybody's super sensitive and needs safe spaces and can't breathe fresh air outside without oxygen masks and stuff. I know we 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 got we we just we just living in terrible times, uh, but uh, a good old fashioned whipping is what you and I need. And I'm glad I had a I'm glad I have a, I had an earthly father who knew how to get a belt and whip me in love, not in abuse, in love. And sometimes as a kid I thought it was abuse. Looking back now, I'm sure I'm glad I had a father who loved me. And I'm glad I have a heavenly father who loves me. And when I get sideways and astray and cold and indifferent in my heart, he knows how to bring me back. Amen. I bless his name for him. Glad he didn't leave me out there in my mess. Glad he didn't leave me out there to fend for myself. Amen. But he'll come. And if I need a whipping, he'll whip me. If I need a hug, he'll hug me. But whatever I need, he'll do it. Amen. Don't despise that. That'll keep your life together. Listen to it and learn from it. Well, we're in a different chapter in Proverbs this morning. Proverbs chapter 28. That's the quickest message I've ever preached, ain't it? Uh, Y'all got the whole message in three and a half minutes. Uh, All right. No, that was one point of the whole message. Proverbs 28, verse number 19. 
I want you to notice this first phrase, this first statement of this sentence. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread. But he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. There's a whole lot of preaching right there. Uh, I could say, uh, honor the Lord with your life, work hard and mind your own business and you'll be all right. Uh, every, every, everybody who comes down the line with some new get rich quick idea, I'd leave them alone. Just work hard and do what's right and you'll have plenty, the Bible says. Uh, he that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread. I'm interested this morning in that word tilleth. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to help us this morning. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the, the, the sweet spirit of God. We thank you for these men and ladies and young people. Lord, we thank you for the offering received this morning. We, 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 we pray you'd use it. God, we thank you, God, for what you're doing and what you're going to do. Lord, help us today, I pray. Speak to us through the preaching of the Word of God. And to do that that you do, God, and that that we can't do. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. I, I told you in verse 19 that I was interested in the word tilleth. And here's why I'm interested in that word tilleth. Uh, because it is where we get our word cultivate. Uh, and we know what cultivate is. It is the turning of the earth. It is the uh, turning of the ground. But I'm interested in the word tilleth because it's where we get our word cultivate. And I'm interested in the word cultivate because watch this, it's where we get our word culture. Uh, we get our word culture from cultivation. And we get cultivation from tilleth. And those words are intertwined, interlinked together, which means this. The breaking of the ground, the tilling of the earth is cultivation. And cultivation is where we get our understanding and our knowledge and the meaning of the word culture. The word culture literally means a labor, uh, the act of tilling and preparing the earth for crops. It is cultivation. It is the application of labor. And culture is the work that you're doing to turn the ground, to plant the crops, to produce something, or maybe it could say it like this, to raise something up. That is culture. It is farm language. Uh, we hear the word culture all the time. We use the word culture, one of, probably one of the most heard and taught uh, in our day's society uh, is culture. When I think about culture, not understanding the Bible reference and the, and, and, and the old English uh, reference and definition of the word culture, when I think about culture, I think about arts. And uh, some of it's beautiful and some of it's senseless. It really is. 
Uh, one, one of the, and I'm not here to give you a history lesson, but I do enjoy history. One of the communist manifestos, or uh, uh, one of the, the points in the communist manifesto, if we're going to bring communism into a society, then we're going to have to replace their art. Because art that is beautiful inspires. Art that is beautiful uh, causes people to uh, have a feeling of, uh, of responsibility, a feeling of, of beauty, and so it is to be replaced with something that is dreadful, ugly, and void of, of life and beauty. Uh, and so they, 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 they felt like that within the people's clothing, that everything needed to be drab and ugly and uncolorful. And it's amazing, we're seeing that come back across the college campuses of America. Everyone is down-dressing, everyone is, is uglifying, if I can use that word, the, the style, because uh, it has to be replaced with something that is ugly. Uh, we, we ride through towns and we see some art and we say, that's art? It, it looks so ugly. It's, it's, so, it's so dingy and dirty. And they call graffiti now artwork. I tell you what I think about graffiti. I think it is, I, I think it is uh, uh, destruction of property. Not, not artwork. It is destruction of something that somebody owns that's not you. And you're destroying that, but 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 we've replaced that. And but when I think about the arts, I uh, our culture, we we immediately think about art. We think about culture. We think about race. We say, well, this race or this race has its own culture. And, and in, that, in some senses that's true, but that's not necessarily true because you can have a different race or a different color of skin but hold to the same culture of living. We think about culture, I think about food. And there are some connotations in that that would relate, but when I uh, uh, understand what culture means, I understand in all reality it has not much to do uh, with all of those things as it does with what are you, what are you planting, what are you producing in your society, in your home, and in your family. Again, the word culture is the act of tilling and preparing the earth for crops. It is cultivation. It is the application of labor. Yet we are taught that today culture uh, is, uh, is all of these things that represent a, a person's beliefs or religions. And, 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 and in reality, I guess it is all of those things. Uh, but, but it is more. It is, it is not just, it is not just how you think about something or how you view something, but it is literally, I want you to watch this now, the Bible, uh, uh, explanation. It is reaping and sowing. It is you reaping what you've been planning and your forefathers and those before you were planning. And we in that create a culture, a product of what us and our fathers and forefathers have planted in our life. And so with that being said this morning, your culture is very important. Uh, I, I, I hear this all the time. And I don't agree with it. I'll go ahead and tell you. And I'm going to offend some of you when I say this because you pride yourself in being so cultured. Now I'm going to tell you anyways, whether you agree with it or not, we hear this all the time and we say, in the United States of America, that diversities of culture 
is our greatest strength. We hear that. And we believe that because we believe everything that we hear. <laughs> oh, you can amen that or not. If a professor taught, tells us that, if a history teacher tells us that, if, if, if somebody on CNN or NBC or ABC tells us that, then we're just apt to believe it because you can believe them for sure. And so they say it all the time. And they say these things all the time because they want you to believe these things. They tell you, young people, diversity is the greatest of all American strengths. Our diversity is what makes us so strong. But I would disagree with that. I'll show you why this morning, because I know that you don't that you might not agree with that, because it is definitely opposite of what you've been told your whole life. What has made America strong is not that we're all. So completely different. What made America strong is that reality is uh, we all had a common core belief system that was pretty close to one another and because of that instead of fighting with you uh, or against you I was willing to fight for you. Because you were fighting for what I was fighting for. You believed what I believed in. And that's not robotic. That is not uh, everybody being robots. That is everybody having a common belief system uh, that was agreeable. We had established a set of laws called the Constitution of the United States of America. And everyone had come together and said, this is what we believe. And though we're not perfect, uh, and though this, this, this Constitution is not perfect because it was drawn up by man... It is based upon something that is and that is the Word of God and we believe the Word of God and even those that did not necessarily tend to follow Christian beliefs, they understood their benefit in a society. And so... They said we'll come together and we will establish a government that is for the people, by the people. We'll establish a free society. And again, man was involved so everything was not perfect, no doubt. And you can find flaws in history. But one thing that you'll find, that it was the commonality of man. It was the common ground of the forefathers that come together that gave America her strength. People who believed the same thing. Not robots, not mindless, numb, mind-numb people, but people who could think, people who could pray, people who could live their life. But what they believed is this. If you want to believe God, you should have the ability to believe God. If you want to live for God, you should. But we have some laws and we're against some things and we're for some things. And then we've come out of societies that had us bound by tyrants and dictators and we want to live free so we don't want you involved in what we're doing and we won't be involved in what you're doing and we're going to plant something and watch it grow and it created the culture of America. And I'm giving you a history lesson this morning. I'm going to make a spiritual application. He created the culture that we call the culture, the American culture. And if you were to say, well, I like all the Diversity, well that's a broad term. You do realize that there's regions in America, I mean regions in the world this morning, today, right now, that their culture is cannibalism. Surely you don't want that kind of diversity. 
Oh, but it exists in the U.S. now. You do realize that there are regions in this world where human sacrifice is a normal and it operates still to this day and you don't want that kind of diversity. Right? But it exists in America now. You do realize that in the world that slavery still exists. And I know it existed in America for a while. And I know it was a bad thing. And no one can say that it was not a bad thing. But oh, by the way, it was brought over here from the tyrant dictatorship of Britain that, 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 that America, American colonies broke away from in the Revolutionary War. And it took some years to undo what had been done but it did happen. And it was undone. And it was not an American idea. It was a British idea who had been operating under a tyrant dictatorship, strong rule of thumb, authoritarian society. The American culture broke away from that because they believed Hallelujah that they did. That men ought to be free not to go paint a building that belongs to someone else. Not to go rob a jewelry store that belongs to someone else. Not to run a hundred miles an hour down the road. Not that kind of freedom. They believed that man had the right to be free. Not to do what they wanted to. But to do what they ought to. To do what was responsible. To do what was right. They did not believe that man had the right to go get 70 women pregnant and have babies all over society and that's his right as a free man. No, that is not his right. That is wrong. Based on the law of the word of God and based on the laws of the land. Freedom was not the, I know this is history lesson, are y'all all right? Freedom was not the ability to go and to do what you wanted to. It was not to take someone else's life by murder. It was not to rob someone else's belongings. It was not to steal another man's wife or ladies, another a woman's husband. That was not the rights that were given you. You had the rights to do right. You had the right to work. You had the right to, 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 or to, uh, to uh, uh, take care and provide for your family. You had the right uh, to get up every morning and bless your God and go to bed every night and thank God that He had been good to you. You had the right to get up and go to church whenever you wanted to and not the church that a dictator had established but the church that God had established if you so chose. And it created a culture where a man or a woman would say, I... I am in agreement with you. And I will fight for you because we are in agreement. Here's a Bible verse. How shall two walk together except they be agreed? Huh? Well, our diversity is our greatest strength. No, I would say to you our diversity is one of our greatest weaknesses. You can't find two people in the United States of America anymore that agree about anything. When you have people who come from different religions, and I know this don't sound good to you, 
You have people who come from different backgrounds, different raisings. And I know people take all this stuff and say, well, that's, that's race. It's got nothing to do with race. It's got nothing to do with color of when you take that and you have people that completely believe different things, if, 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 if you're for killing a baby, we can't agree. I can't fight for your belief. Does that make sense? Uh, and so what, what, we, what we had is what we have. We have war and unrest and unruly. Um, And we see it in today's society. Now, here's the application that I want to make to you this morning. When man come over to America, a woman came to America, let's say they come from a European nation. Let's say that they come from an African nation. Let's say they come from a Spanish nation. It makes no difference where they came. It was in the hearts of the founders. We don't think that we're better than you because of our race. Surely not. We don't think that we're better than you because of our personality. But we think, we believe, that what God has given us the ability to create, what God has given us the ability to cultivate, what God has given us in culture is premier. That's why you're wanting to come here. Huh? If it wasn't great, why would you want to come? If it wasn't better than where you came from, why would you want to come to a new world that was worse than the old world that you came from? See, one thing we failed to get because we were brought up here. We were raised up here. This is all we've ever known is that when man first came over here, they came fleeing a tyrant's raid, a tyrant's leadership. They came over here running from what was there in hopes to have something better, a new world that was better than their old world. And so we're not better than you Because we live in this new world. We're not better than you because of the color of our skin. But we have designed and we have desired that within this new world that we're going to do some things different than our old world so that we don't take everything from our old world, bring it to our new world and corrupt the new world just like the old world that we escaped from. Right? If it was so wonderful, we'd have stayed there, but it wasn't. So in Germany, they got on boats. In Africa, they got on boats. In Spain, they got on boats. In Italy, they got on boats. And all across this world, in China, they got on boats. And all across this world, they got on boats. And they suffered and died and nearly died just to come for the hopes of a new world that was better than the old world that I come from. But here's the problem. When you come from your old world, it is the only world you know. And the chances are, given the opportunity, when you get to your new world, you're going to bring everything from your old world that made it so terrible with you. You're going to think like the old world taught you to think. You're going to do what the old world taught you to do. You're going to act like the old world taught you to act. And you're going to come to the new world. And if enough of you come, you're going to make the new world Look exactly like the old world. (laughs) 
And so the founding father said, we want you to come. You can come. But when you get here, we're not going to give you citizenship just because you get here. But we're going to make you wait. And we're going to make you learn. We're going to send you to our schools. We're going to let you learn our language. We're going to let you learn our world. We're going to let you know our principles, our freedom. We're going to teach you the pledge to our flag. Because if you want to pledge the flag, well, I know this ain't popular preaching, but if you want to pledge the flag from where you come from, then you might should not have left there. But if you want to come into a new world, then understand that this new world has things in it that you don't want to bring your old world into. It's amazing that in the United States of America, you can't hardly preach this without being worried that somebody's going to get upset that you say that you ought to pledge the flag of the U.S. if you're going to be in the U.S. One thing I found in my travels is people do love their country. And they ought to, this is where they were born. We go to Albania, and it's a beautiful country, small, poor, beautiful. One thing I find is all of them would come here if they could. But all of them love where they come from. And they know it's a problem over here, it's hard, but I love Albania. I would fight for Albania, even though I know trouble and most of them will never get the chance to come over here because even if they had the money they don't have the permission from their government to leave and they're set there in that little landlocked country with Macedonia and Greece and Kosovo and Serbia all bordering it and yet they can go right up to the border but most of them will never cross the border like you would cross over into Tennessee or Georgia or, or Alabama from Georgia or South Carolina and it's about the size of our state and they can operate within that but they could not ever go over into Tennessee or South Carolina or Florida or, 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 or Alabama uh, and, and, they, and they could come right up to the border but most of them could never get out because they do not have the liberty. They do not have the freedom. And yet if you were to ask them, what do you think about this place? They'd say it's a problem here and there's trouble here and there's poverty here but it is my land, it is my country, it is my nation. And thank God for people who understand that. But with that being said, when you come out of that old world into a new world, that new world is so grand. I don't want to take my old world and to mess up my new world trying to hold on to what I had. Here's what the founding father said. When you come over here, you need to acclimate to our society. You're not going to like this. Maybe you will. You need to adopt our culture. Well, if we did that, then we wouldn't have all the beauty. Well, sure we would. We'd have all kinds of folks that said, I love where I come from. 
But I come to this new place. Oh, by the way, that's what they used to say. In hopes of freedom. They, they used to say, it was hard over there. But I loved it. But boy, it's good here. The land of plenty. The land of bounty. The land of beauty. Now they say, we hate America. America. I'm talking about senators and politicians have no problem standing up and saying, we hate America. Shame on us. Tell you what they did. They brought their old world to a new world. I think you can already see the application. I was in Augusta the other day and there was a, an Indian gentleman. We were talking. I said, how are you doing? We talked, nice man. And uh, he said, uh, I said, where, where are you from, man? He said, I'm from India. I said, I got you. How long have you been here? He said, 30 years. I said, well, I said what do you think? He said, it's different, but it's good. He said, in India, I love it, but I wouldn't want to go back. He said, there's so much bounty here. There's so many blessings here. He said, they're everywhere you look. And he said, it was not like that where I come from. See, the only people who can't see that is people who come from here. I said, are you a Christian? Or I said, do you go to church? And he said, yeah, I do. He said, there's only three or four of us. And, and I said, uh, I, said I, I pastor a church. And I talked to him and gave him one of our tracts. I said, love for you to come see us. And, and, and I said, if you don't ever come see us, scan that code right there. Go on the Facebook page or the podcast. You can hear preaching on there. And I said, I'd love for you to hear it. I said, read the back of it. And it'll tell you how to be a Christian. It'll tell you how to be saved. But I was amazed at what he said. It was where I come from, and I love it. But it's so much better here. What he was saying is my old culture I liked, but my new culture is one of blessing and bounty. Now, I'm done with the history lesson. Now, let's give you a spiritual application. Y'all still all right? If you be honest, what I just said is true and you know it. The founding fathers was not if you're from Mexico coming over here and cooking Mexican dishes. Aren't you glad they cook Mexican dishes over here? It was not if you're from Greece, you're not allowed to come over here and cook Greece. That was not it. But it was... If you come from a place where you were not free, you couldn't come over here and start voting on our laws that would make us not free. If you come from a place that was atheist and hated our God, you couldn't come over here and start passing laws that kept us from serving our God. Or if you come from a place that had a one state church and you had to worship the God of the state, you couldn't come over here and start passing laws and leading in our nation and causing us to go back to a one church state. Don't take your old world into your new world. Proverbs 28, 
Is it 28? Yeah, verse 19. He that tilleth his land, he that cultivates, he that produces a culture of work and labor shall have plenty of bread. But he that followeth after vain persons, he that follows the trends, he that follows society, he that follows every grievance-ridden ridiculer in society, he that follows after the whims and the ways of the hour, he will be in want and poverty. The spiritual application is this. Hear me now. How come God saved you and brought you out of your old world and all you want to do is complain about the new world and try to bring everything from your old world into your new world and make them work together? History teaches it don't work. And America is a thread away from falling apart because she's become so diverse. She's become so separated. She's become so different one from another that two people can't walk together because they don't agree on anything. And yet you want to bring that into your Christian home. You want to bring that into your church. You want your old world, the old proverbial saying, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You want to be set free from the chains of sin and yet you want to drag them around. You just don't want them tied around your wrist. But you're still dragging them. You want Jesus to come by and unlock the chains that's had your wrists bound and yet you want to take both hands and grab the chains and drag them on down the road with you. You don't want anything to change. You want your old world in your new world and it don't work like that. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm saying you're living in chains and poverty still trying to bring an old world into a new world. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Brother Mike, I've heard you testify over and over and over and over again. And I tell you what I believe. I believe, and I know know this because you've talked to me. You didn't just get saved last week or last month or last year. You've been saved a long time. God brought you out of an old world a long time ago. God, hallelujah, brought you into a new world a long time ago. But as long as you want to live in your new world, dragging around the chains of your old world, your new world will look an awful lot like your old world. But the day you realize, I'm not even... We used to ride horses. When I was young, Daddy would go over to the sale in Tennessee and buy them. And he'd bring them home and he'd want me to ride them and work with them. And he bought a round pin, big old metal pin, and you had to lunge them horses as headstrong. And so you'd get in there with that horse and you'd have a long lead rope. You'd put that halter on, you'd have a long lead rope. And that lead rope would be about 20 feet long and you'd have a whip. And it wasn't, the object was not to whip the horse. It just when it saw that, it would start running. And you'd stand in the middle of that round pin. 
And you'd take that whip and you'd just, I mean, just walk in circles over and over and over again. And that horse would run that round pin hooked to that lead rope until it learned to, to, to be hooked to a lead rope and until it had, had, had completely uh, lathered up in sweat and was wore out. And you can finally do something with that headstrong animal. And here's what I found out. You could take that halter and put it on it and they hated it. And then you'd take a rope and you'd, you'd have, have them little circle um, clips on that halter and you'd take that little clip and you just push your thumb down and open it up and put it, hook it on there. And uh, you'd get in that horse would rear back and you'd nearly get knocked over and so you'd work it. When it got wore out, you could walk up to that horse Roll that lead rope up to nearly nothing. And you could get that horse to follow you. That lead rope. And everywhere you went, that lead rope, that horse would follow you. Hooked to it, you're pulling. And you're pulling and it's hooked to it. And it's going where you're going because it's found out you're the leader, you're in charge, you're the master, and it's supposed to be obedient. And if it's not, you're going to go back in that round pen and it's going to have to run circles again until it can't hardly run any more circles. And so it's going to follow you finally. And it's following you. And here's what could happen. Here's what you could do. You get that horse so used to following you. You could get that horse so used to uh, uh, to uh, uh, being hooked up to that lead rope that literally you could walk up to it and pet it, unhook the lead rope and you could take that lead rope and just hold it in your hand and start walking and that horse would follow you because it didn't know it wasn't hooked up no more. And I could walk around that round pen. I could walk out of that round pen. I could walk in that pasture and that horse would follow about a foot behind me because it thought that it was supposed to because it was hooked up to me. And I'm glad that it did because I was trying to train it. But here's the illustration. Jesus come by one day and unhook the lead rope. Jesus come by one day and unhook the chains that had you bound. And if you'd ever realize that you don't have to live in the new world like you did in the old world, that Christ has set you free, you could live in the freedom that belongs to the child of God. So why? Are you holding on to a culture of an old world when Christ has put you in a new world? Some of you young people, all you ever want to talk about is your old world. You know why? Because you ain't sure that your old world isn't better than your new world. And it's because you haven't learned to live in your new world with all of its benefits. Some of you love coming in here on Sunday morning because you appreciate the tears and the sincerity and the choir and the music. But good and well you know when you leave here you're going to go Monday through Saturday like you're... You won't even wait till Monday. By nightfall tonight you're going to be doing what you did in your old world. God's given you a new world to move in. More of the pen. Why don't you let him let you 
help you live in this new world. We do things different in this new world. But it is the culture of the church that has been so great in a wicked world that we've lived in. We were in Gatlinburg, Tennessee this week. I remember being a boy and going to Gatlinburg and the town being a dry town. Everything was family clean fun. There was not a show in Gatlinburg this week. There was not a place in Gatlinburg where the biggest thing promoted was not alcohol. Everything. Twice. I don't even know what this means. Twice while we were there we walked by a vehicle. Different vehicles. One had it in the front seat. One had it in the back seat. Skeletons sitting in the seat of the car. People are getting in their car, riding down the road with their companion skeleton. I don't even know how to explain that. And I'm not trying to make fun. I'm not trying, but I'm telling you, honey, we're living in a world where culture has changed. We came down Highway 411 and we came through some old towns. When I was a boy, we would ride up 411 to go to Gatlinburg from our house. I lived about two and two and a half hours from there. And we'd ride up 411. We'd go up through Okoy and Maryville and all of the Benton and all of that area going up through there and all those small towns. And you knew when you were almost there when you got over the mountain into Townsend and we were almost there. I stopped at a Walmart. I'm not making fun. But if I found three people in Walmart with teeth, I was fortunate. I'm talking about a small southern country town. Every one of them looked like zombies on meth. I'm not making fun, I'm not making fun, but I'm telling you the wholesome culture, the Christian culture, the clean culture, she's just about gone in America because God help us, everybody's wanting to bring an old world to a new world and I listen, I'm no better than them, I don't deserve heaven any more than them, but if I can bring my boys up in a world, if I can bring my family up in a world where we can still honor God, we can be clean, we don't have to live our life drugged out of our minds, we don't have to cut our lives short because of sin. God help us hold on to Christian culture. So sad. And you're not better. And I'm not better. But He is. And He's made a new world. And He said you can come out from among them and be ye separate. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Quit holding on to your old world. Let God get you out and put you in a new world. You can raise your kids in the fear of the Lord. You can raise your kids with the discipline of the Bible. You can raise your kids where they know that daddy or mama will apologize when they get it wrong about their sincerity and godliness and clean living at the house. Raise your kids not in cussing and fighting. Hey, let me talk to you for a minute. Some of you young people, God's going to give you children one day. You want them learning them words you use when you're out with your friends 
You're going to be all right with them talking like that? Huh? Oh, my. I'm just going to say it. You're so accepting of everything. How accepting are you going to be when that boy or that girl comes home one day and says, I'll never give you grandkids because I've chosen an alternate lifestyle. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be ugly. But God's not interested in you bringing that old world over here. God's not interested in you trying to combine the two. God wants to let you live in a new world. Choose you this day, Joshua said. Whom you will, sir. He said you're going to have to make your mind up. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, thank you this morning for the word of God. Help us, help us, help us, help us. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand this morning. You sing. You want to pray? Let's pray.